Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you're here with us for worship this morning. I would invite you to reflect with me as I read from the book of Psalm, chapter 103, this morning as we begin our worship. Psalm 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers, we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all God's kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May that be so this morning and always. We're glad you're here today. I wanted to give you an update on our Florence hurricane relief efforts as North Carolina Baptists. There has been a great deal done and there's a great deal yet to do. So let me give you a quick update We now have three large mobile kitchens still serving more than 15,000 hot meals every day. There were 10 uh, earlier, but most of those people have gone home to their own states, and now we still are doing three. All of these uh, kitchens and the sites that we're developing are managed out of the Disaster Relief State Convention Partners. And that's what we're giving to today, our North Carolina State Mission Offering, and more than half of it goes to North Carolina Baptist men for all of these efforts. There are now more than 200, excuse me, 2,500 jobs still open for recovery efforts. And we need a lot of volunteers. We're thankful for those who've already come to help and for those who will. That the long-term response may take two or three years to complete. They are setting up, North Carolina Baptists are setting up three Uh, hubs out of which they will operate. And if you can go as a volunteer, 
they can give you a place to sleep and they can feed you for a week or two weeks or whatever you can do as a volunteer. You can even go on a weekend and help out, but they'll take care of you while you're there so that you can volunteer. 15 of our own members went for the training event to learn to do electricity and sheetrock and all of these things. And so we have some pictures to show you of our men who went. And women, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna leave out the women, and I want you to give them a round of applause. We're so glad that they have been trained and are ready to help, and there's room for many, many more. If you're retired and can help, that's wonderful. If you're working and take, can take off a week or even a weekend, please check and let me know what you're doing and let us encourage you. And this morning, we're going to help by bringing our offering. We've been emphasizing it for the last several weeks. There are these envelopes in the pew in front of you. If you have not gotten that done, if there's no envelope, you can use any envelope that's there and just write on it, North Carolina Mission Offering. And so we're going to recognize the girls who are going to come and hold baskets down in front to come right now. We're going to sing a great hymn and we would invite you to come forward and drop off your offering in one of these baskets. Ooh, girls and boys, how about that? Good for you. You need to come over here because that's where I'm going to drop mine off. All righty. Now, let's sing that great hymn and bring our offerings.
All right. What have I got here? Ball of string. All right, I wanted to start with you, Will. You hold on. All right, Paxton, you get a piece. And James, you get a piece. And Jude, you get a piece. And Braden, you're gonna get a piece. And let's go over there and give Miss Katie a piece. Okay. All right, everybody's got a piece of my string. Okay, I have a book here and it's called The Invisible String. Is that string you're holding invisible? But you know what? It connects every single one of us together like a spider, doesn't it, Will? But you know what else that string does? It makes sure we're all together. We know each other. You're gonna count and see how many there are of us? There's six of us, and you know what? We are bound by a string, but this little string I'm gonna call my love because we are all bound together by my love. I love every one of you, but you know who loves us even more? God. God does. All right, I want you to drop the string. Now, your string's gone away, didn't it? It went away. It what? It's invisible. That's right, Will. It's invisible. But you know what? God's love's not invisible. His love never goes away. It doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing. There is a string tugging at your heart, and it is full of love. So when we have a good day, we have a bad day, we have something to say to God to say thank you. We don't have to have this string to know that God's loving us because we know in our heart, no matter where we go, what we do, God's got us connected. Now I want to read a scripture. Hold on one minute. It's from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not be afraid, I am with you. Do not be terrified, I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. I will hold you safe in my hands. I always do what is right. So we know God's always got you in his hands. He's always tugging at your heart. Do we, can we remember that? No, well, well, we're gonna work on that, Jude. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for our children, our families, our friends, who even though may they not be with us right here, that invisible string of your love connects us, binds us, and we know that the love is always there. We can't see it, but we feel it. Take care of us, Lord, and keep us safe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Ellen. I'm grateful for that love this morning, aren't you, church? In any given week, like I've often said before, uh, we have many emotions that we bring into a place of worship, house of worship. Some of you have had a wonderful week. And you want to give the Lord praise this morning for maybe some good news that you've received this week. Others have had a far more difficult week, uh, maybe family struggles or things related to job, coworker, uh, maybe some news you've received this week. And so we are mindful of that as we join together today. And it's good to join together with the people of God where we can come together and take our joys and our sorrows and express those to the Lord in worship. This morning we come with several praise. We're grateful for good news from Joel Dobbins and we rejoice uh, with Joel. We rejoice with Jane Surratt and being cancer free. We're grateful for Rodney Nolan and a successful procedure this week. Our hearts continue to grieve for the Murray family and also for the family of Ted and Roseanne Days. Uh, their passing continues to weigh heavy upon us and we wanna to continue to remember Anna and Ben McDaniel and Cara and Doug and Bella. Uh, during these coming days and weeks ahead. We also want to be in prayer this morning for Betty Bridges. Many of you know that her cancer has returned. 
she is not with us this morning, but we want to be mindful of her and please keep her in your thoughts and prayers and reach out as you are able to this week. We want to remember as always those who are in assisted care and nursing and the journey that they face each and every day and the people who care for them. Um, as Bob and others have said this morning, our people and our friends down east, uh, both our churches and our uh, uh, fellow, uh, uh, fellow friends and neighbors down east, we want to continue to remember them and our missionaries here at, here at home and also around the world. Um, these are certainly difficult times and uh, as the church of Jesus Christ, you and I and God's people have good news to share with hurting people, with people who are confused by uh, or uh, constantly berated by the voices that we hear in our world today. You and I have a different voice. You and I have a voice of hope and a voice of grace, a voice of forgiveness. And um, let us never forget that. This morning in my devotional times, I read something that reminded me, and I didn't need this reminder, but that many in our congregation uh, and many in our world today are going through a period of, of being in the wilderness, if you will. And in the wilderness, you don't know, you kind of know what's been behind you, but you don't know exactly what's ahead of you. And so you're kind of in the middle. And uh, there are some this morning, some of you uh, in front of me or behind me who may just feel like you're kind of in the middle this morning. You're kind of in the middle of just trying to figure things out and know what's the next step. And so we want to be in prayer for you. And uh, we want to give you a moment this morning if you would like to voice a, um, a silent prayer to the Lord to do that. Uh, and then I will lead us in our prayer time this morning. Let us pray together. God, we're thankful for your presence in our lives. We're thankful for your faithfulness to us in the midst of our journey wherever that journey may have taken us this last week and wherever that journey may take us this coming week. We are grateful and thankful and we praise you today for your faithfulness, that you are sovereign, that you are on your throne. Lord, our humanness um, brings enough of its own difficulties and trials. Today, help us to put our trust in you. Help us to hear your voice in the midst of the things that we face and are related, that we deal with in life. We are in the wilderness and at times not knowing what's next. And as we await uh, your direction and your guidance, help us to look to you again, to put our faith and our trust in you. We confess Lord, that we are frail. We are imperfect. Lord, we need your presence in our lives in so many ways. Lord bless families today that are hurting is some may be related to jobs or uh, relationships or whatever it may be. Father, we pray that you would meet each one here today at the point of their need. We're grateful, God, that you walk with us in the midst of life, whether it's been a great week or a difficult week. And Father, we're thankful again for your presence. Lord, lead us and guide us in all things. Father, may we hear your voice again speaking to us in ways today that we need to be spoken to. For those that need to be encouraged, Father, we pray that they would find that encouragement today. For those that are looking for that guidance and direction, may they hear it in testimony or a prayer or a song or in your word as it is read and it is as it is preached. Father, help those who are hurting and that need your healing touch today, whether it be from an accident, whether it be from an illness. For those who are struggling, Lord, with uh, treatments for cancer, Lord, we ultimately pray for your healing touch on their lives. May they know they are loved and thought of by you and by this church family. Father, bless each aspect of our service as it continues today. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who's given us life, who's given us grace and forgiveness. Help us to be faithful as we look towards the month of October being and reminding us that we are to share that love with others through our words, through our actions, and through our entire beings. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your presence here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 43, Grace Alone. 43. If you are able, please stand and join me in singing hymn number 43.
us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for another day that we get to live on this, in this world. We thank you for the opportunity to worship here today. And we thank you for all the many gifts that you give us. We all have so much. And we know that you ask so little in return. A small amount of our material things that we have and our money and our love back to you and to spread that love to other people. And we ask your forgiveness because so many times we're selfish, we're prideful, we want things our way instead of seeking your way. And today I pray that we will all be willing to give a little bit more materially, but also to give more of our love and our support and our encouragement to each other and to our community and to the world. And we just thank you for all that you have given us. And we just thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir, musicians. We all have a story. Some of you have lots of stories. I've heard those stories several times, some of you. But we all have stories, and hopefully if we're all believers, well, if we are, if we are believers, if we profess faith in Jesus Christ, we have a faith story. And during the month of October, you will be hearing the faith story of, of at least four of our members uh, on Sunday mornings. And this morning, uh, we welcome Dr. Cullen in, and we look forward to her sharing with us here in just a moment. Evangelism and committee and the staff has been meeting for several months uh, to talk and to pray and to plan about ways that we can uh, encourage our church family to own their faith story, and not only to own their faith story, but most importantly, to share their faith story. And in your bulletin this morning, you'll see on one side, depending on which one you have in front of you, which side, but it says, it's a little box and it says, sharing our faith story. And our goal this month, we wanna be very clear about this. We want to not only share our faith stories, we want to share about those who have influenced our faith story and who helped us come to know Christ. Uh, but we wanna be very clear and uh, in our testimonies as well, they will include about the fact that uh, what life was like before they came to accept Jesus as savior and how they came to realize that they needed Jesus. And then the third one is who, if anyone, blessed you to open your heart to the Lord's invitation to become his child. Our sermon series this month is called Circles of Influence. If we had time today, many of you could share with me at least one, if not more individuals who influenced you in your relationship with the Lord. In the October Current, our church newsletter, I had a, uh, a front page that talked about a man named J.B. Case. J.B. Case was a man that handed out Wrigley Juicy Fruit Gum. You'll remember seeing that picture on the Current if you haven't seen it. And uh, I don't remember him necessarily teaching me a lot of uh, theology and he wasn't there when I came to know the Lord, but yet his influence in my life was great. And uh, there were other JB cases along the way. I mentioned my youth minister and mentioned uh, uh, others that had been a, a part of that influence. And one part of that influence, I had already knew, I already knew the Lord at this point, but when I came to Garden Web University, one of those strong influences on my, in my life is, is coming up to speak just behind me right now. Uh, Dr. Alice Cullinan, uh, you have been that influence uh, for me and um, I am grateful of how you challenged me and helped me as a young, immature college student and how you continue to help me in, in ministry here at Boiling Springs. But uh, the Lord has placed some things on her heart to share about her faith story this morning. But pray for us this month. Pray for those who will be sharing their testimony. Pray for me and the sermons and invite you to join us on Sunday nights as we take this a little bit further. The one thing that we want all of you to know in the midst of this is if, if you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you can share with others. Uh, we talked about and you've learned different ways as a child or as a youth, you, you hear that in church about the different ways to do that. And we're going to be talking about the way that is most effective, and that's simply to share with others our story and what that looks like. And so I look forward to hearing that uh, at this time from Dr. Cullinan. Dr. Cullinan, you come and share with us. Of those four steps, I find myself liking to emphasize a fourth one on what Jesus means to me now. But I do think it's important for us to learn how to share how we came to know the Lord uh, so that I will follow those guidelines. Um, our concern is that each of us be more faithful in sharing how we came to know the Lord. Because friends, there are a lot of people out there who do not know Jesus. There are a lot of people. Some we work with, some in our families, even some in our church. As I'll share my testimony with you, you can see why I would say that. My faith story started out much like yours, many of you that I know about. I was taken to church. I have a picture at home right now in my, in my living room of me uh, approximately six or eight months old. My mother, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother great all standing in, on the steps of a church. So early on, I was in church. I remember at age 12, joining the church. 
My family and I, all of us, were very, very active in the church. We sang in a choir, I sang solos. My dad was the director of the Sunday school. My mother taught Sunday school. We worked in Bible school, whatever they asked. I was active in my youth group, like many of you. When I graduated from high school, I, I decided instead of going off to college that I would work for about a year to try to figure out really what I wanted to do. That's probably a smart thing for maybe more of our high schoolers to do. So I began thinking about my life, what I wanted to do with it, where I wanted to go. I had won some scholarships, but I turned them down because I just didn't have any direction. So I took a job as a payroll clerk at a lumber factory there in Richmond, Virginia, where I lived. And before I continue my story, I want to share with you just briefly about a woman that I met there who worked there with me. Now, I didn't see much of her. She was a nurse. She worked in another part of the plant, out past all the stacks of lumber. But I saw her once a week as she came in to get her paycheck since I was the payroll, assistant payroll clerk. And there were two things that struck me about her, even in the short amount of time I had to hand her a check and the next person come through the line. Two things I noticed. One of them were her hands were badly scarred. And the second thing was a smile on her face and a, and a joy about her that I just didn't see in most people. And I myself did not have. I found out later why the scarred hands. She was a nurse at a local hospital, but she had a cooking accident where the grease caught on fire, burned her hands. She had to give up that nursing job because of what it did to her hands and her fingers. But to be a nurse at a lumberyard basically was to pull out a few splinters and give out a few aspirin so she could do that. And so that's why she was working there. But she had a joy about her that both attracted me and troubled me. It's like she could look down inside of my heart and see an emptiness that was there that I didn't want to face. And as months went by, as I worked there, and as I began thinking about life, it just didn't seem to be worth living. From my perspective, it was a matter of just getting up in the morning, having breakfast, getting ready for work, going to work, working all day, coming home, eating your dinner, watching a little TV, and going to bed just seemed like futility. All along, even in my religious activity and that of my parents, there was an emptiness inside of me that I didn't understand. But one day the emptiness got so heavy that I just decided I didn't want to live anymore. I really didn't want to die. I was afraid of death, but it just seemed such a despairing time. I, I, I just, some people would like to say I was chemically depressed, clinically depressed, emotionally depressed. The friends I know because of what happened to me, I was spiritually depressed. This particular morning, I was especially sad because someone in the office had betrayed a confidence that I had shared with them about my life and about my frustration, and they made fun of it. That was the crashing blow. And so I decided at break time, I would just go and get in my car, drive off, and run into a telephone pole and kill myself. On the way to my car, I know that God's hand was upon me because I went to the far part of the lumberyard past my car 
and went into where this nurse's station was. And I sat down there, didn't say a thing. But the Lord spoke to her that there is somebody in deep distress that must have shown all over my face. And she began to share with me that when she was 47 years old, her next door neighbor who was in her 70s had talked to her over the back fence and shared with her that even though she, a church member, needed something else. And this friend, Irene, accepted Jesus into her heart and life and took seriously the commission to share her faith story anytime with anyone that she could. So she began to tell me her faith story. She lift, look, uh, put her hand up on top of the filing cabinet and pulled down her Bible and started sharing with me the story of Nicodemus, a religious person in John chapter three, who, who was very religious, as was I and my family, but did not know Jesus. And it was during her talking with me about the Lord and about her faith story that I saw what I had missed. I threw open the door of my heart. We didn't have to have a sinner's prayer or anything. I saw the light, as the song would say. And into my heart came the Lord Jesus. And I was born again, like Jesus has said in Nicodemus, you must be born again. I went home to share with my family, of course. And my mother looked at me and said, I think you have lost your mind. What do you mean we're not really Christians? She thought it was a phase I was going through. And she told my father, she told me later that she said this, we will just pamper her until she gets through this phase. I, of course, was heartbroken that they did not understand, began praying for them. The woman who won me to the Lord discipled me by meeting with me every Saturday night for an entire year to teach me the scripture and to answer the many, many questions that I had as a new believer. I asked my parents, would you please pamper me enough to let me just read one chapter of the scriptures every night when we get together to have supper. Well, you should have seen the expression on my mother's face when I asked, but she said, all right. And so she allowed me to do that. And as weeks, days and weeks pass, I am thankful to be able to share with you that I have the joy of winning every member of my family to a true faith in Jesus. What has my life been like that since then? I could not begin to tell you. The joy of the Lord is my strength, choir. What a, what a wonderful time, what a wonderful life a calling into ministry, a blessed, blessed career at Gardner Webb and at the association and teaching the word of God and being a member of this con congregation. I just could tell you so many things, but I just want to tell you this. I want to challenge you with three things, three questions. First of all, have you met Jesus? Our faith story is not just about joining the church, being baptized, and being active. All of my members, all the members of my family, that was true. Do you know my favorite hymn back before I became a Christian when I was in church was He Lives, the end of which says, you ask me how I know He lives, he lives within my heart. I used to love to sing that. I think it was because I was a soprano, and there's a high F in that song, and I love to sing that.
how we missed knowing Jesus, I'm not sure, but it's very easy. So you may wonder, ask him, he will tell you. Do you know him? Not just have you been baptized, are you active in the church, are you serving the Lord, but do you know him? Secondly is, if you know him, are you being faithful and obedient to him? And thirdly, are you sharing the good news with other people? I shudder to think today, friends, if Irene Coulter had not told me about Jesus, where I would be today. God bless. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for the Irenes and for the JB cases and for those who have spoken your truth, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ, of how not only you desire to save us from our sins, but you desire to walk with us and to lead us and to guide us. Father, so that we may be a light to others, that we may share this good news with others. Lord, we live in a world that desperately needs to hear it. We have many in our church that may be active and may be serving, but yet still need to respond to this good news that's found in a personal an authentic, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. I thank you for Dr. Cullen, Ann, and I thank you for the many I can give testimony in my own life, and I know of numerous other friends and fellow classmates at the time who were greatly influenced by her life and her calling, her following after you. Teach us, Lord, what it means to follow you. Teach us, Lord, first of all, what it means to know you, how to follow you, and Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us that we are compelled because of the grace and the mercy and compassion that you have shown us that we must and we can't help ourselves to share it with others. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 49. This first chapter of John is so incredibly rich. Beginning at verse 35, we are introduced, we are reminded, of course, John the Baptist is involved in the dialogue, and uh, we are introduced to two individuals, Andrew, who goes and introduces and finds his brother Peter and tells him that we have found the one that Moses in the law speaks of. But in verse 43, we have a new uh, unit, if you will, here in the chapter, beginning. And um, let me read it so it matches what you may see on your screen today from the NRSV. In John chapter 1, beginning at verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God and you are the king of Israel. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word this morning. I want to keep your Bibles open uh, if you have them or, or you may want to grab the Pew Bible, but we're going to walk through this, these few verses here in just a few minutes uh, this morning. But in verse 43, it says, the next day he purposed to go into Galilee. This is Jesus. And Galilee at the time was uh, known as the circle of Gentiles, if you will. It was a uh, pagan area. The next day he purposed or decided to go into Galilee, depending on your translation. And he found Philip. Philip is a Greek name. Most likely Philip was a uh, uh, Hellenized Jew, but it's, he was a Jew, but with a Greek name. And Jesus said to him two words that define what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Follow me. It says here, Jesus found Philip and speaks these two words to him. Follow me. 
The last several weeks on Wednesdays, we've talked about, we've been looking at the discipleship and what that means. And we talked about the fact that Jesus probably says three or four more times in the New Testament, follow me than he ever does believe in me. And I'm not saying the two are, are opposed, they're not. But what I'm saying is there's something, Jesus, Jesus didn't just speak with the disciples that he called to walk with him and that later changed the world and revolutionized uh, church today as we know it and our faith. But Jesus didn't just say, come and believe in me. Jesus said to the men that he called, follow me. What does that look like? What does that look like for you and for me? And are we, have we responded? Have we heard those two words as they have been spoken to us by the Spirit. Are those two words speaking to you this morning from our Lord? Follow me. Now verse 44, Philip was from Bethesda of the city of Andrew and Peter. Most likely Philip um, probably went to the synagogue with Andrew and Peter, much like Dr. Cullinan was talking about going to to church uh, all of her life. Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. Now, Nathaniel, uh, in each of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is referred to in the list of disciples. We believe this is the same person that we read there that is listed as Bartholomew. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, three very powerful words, come and see, come and see. Philip didn't have an argument with Nathaniel about the law and all the different, the ways that he could go about this, but yet Philip says to him these very simple words, come and see. Many of you have been involved in in a uh, conversation with someone and they have been explaining something great uh, when I was in high school and college, a lot of my friends were beginning to go hike new trails that I had not hiked in Western North Carolina. And they were telling me about an incredible waterfall or scenic area or campsite that maybe nobody else knew about and this type thing. And they like, you've got to come and you've got to see this. Many of you have whatever uh, background you can think of in relationship to that. You're having a good conversation with someone and they're telling you something that you're just not quite sure about. And yet they say the same thing that Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see. Philip didn't try to have an argument with him. He didn't try to reason with him and go through the points of the law and da, 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 da. But he simply said, come and see. In verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, and you were under the fig tree, which has this idea of, of leisure, of relaxing under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. When something is difficult to believe or maybe hard to understand, the best thing for us to do again is to say simply come and see. We see where Jesus said this to Andrew. If you look back in verse 39 of chapter one, he said to him, when Andrew asked him, uh, Rabbi, which translates as teacher, where are you staying? He said to him, come and you will see. We see these same words mentioned again a few verses later. Again, Philip didn't engage in argument, but he wanted to give firsthand witness and testimony of what God uh, was doing in his life and what uh, he had just come to know. It is our desire as we seek to live out our faith to encourage others to come and see. We can do this in two ways. We can do this by inviting others to church. We're, well, I'll say some of us, a lot of us are good at doing that. We have a special service or we have a special Bible study, a special event. I know our youth and children can say, you need to come to this. It's going to be great. And we're good at that as well, if it's, especially if it's a choir special on a Sunday morning uh, or if it's some type of special event, we encourage others to come and see. It could be that we are relating, as Dr. Cullinan talked about, with someone at work, a coworker, a friend, a neighbor, and uh, they're beginning to ask questions that you can't answer. And you say, well, you know what? Why don't you come and see? Come and see what this following after Jesus is about. Come and see what church and what faith in God is about. 
Um, hopefully you can do a part in sharing with them about that. That's one of the reasons that we're having this emphasis this month is to better equip ourselves to be able to do that. But nevertheless, one of the ways that many have uh, found success in inviting up is, is to telling others to come and see is inviting them to an event at church. However, this, this morning, I want us to think about it in the sense of, are we living our lives in such a way that it's creating this sense of spiritual curiosity in others? That we are the way, by the way we act with them and the way we speak with them and the way we share with them, that we're encouraging them to come and see. Come and see Jesus in us. Come and see what Jesus has done in me. My hope and prayer is that for my own life and for the life of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, that we would be compelled to share Christ. As Paul talks about it, I think it's in 1 Corinthians, he talks about I am compelled to share Christ. I can't help but think of uh, a passage in Jeremiah that has, has been of great importance to me uh, throughout ministry and throughout my life. Especially in ministry, when I think about at times, uh, it's called Jeremiah's complaint. And we think about Jeremiah, he was called to preach to the nation of Judah, no one was listening. He was like talking to a wall for 42 years. He was telling the people of Israel to repent, to repent, to repent, and no one listened. And at times, you and I, if we've shared our faith or if we have that desire, we may feel that others will not listen or maybe we've had conversations with others who simply chose not to listen. Jeremiah is almost at his wit's end right here. And um, he's telling the Lord that. But later in Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse nine, he says these words. He says, but if, but if I say I will not remember him, talking about the message that the Lord has for the people of Judah. If I say I will not remember him or speak any more in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire, shut up in my bones and I'm weary of holding it in. I love that passage, I always have. Philip came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Philip could not hold it in and he went and found his good friend Nathaniel who he probably knew very well. And he had to share with him, we have found the one in whom Moses and the law and the prophets have spoken of. He could not help himself but to share with his friend Nathaniel. He was compelled to share the message of Christ with Nathaniel. Nathaniel had heard about these prophecies. And so he, does the, he says the best three words he can instead of going into all the details at first, he simply says, come and see. We've had two invitations in this passage of scripture this morning. The first was when Christ spoke to Philip and said, follow me. What does that look like for you and for me? Are we following Christ? Have we responded to that invitation to follow him? And by the way that we live our lives, we have another invitation as well that's been extended to us that we also need to extend to others. Come and see. Come and see Christ. Come and see Christ at my church. Come and hear Christ at my church but come and see Christ in me. I think we would all confess that we are flawed individuals. Our humanness takes, very much takes center stage at times in our lives and our imperfections and our uh, frailties are there for others to see. Don't let that hinder you and hinder us from sharing our faith. The message that we have of the good news in Jesus Christ is far greater than our human frailties and that are our human imperfections. Two invitations again today. The first one, Christ says to follow me. The second, to come and see. If there are any of you today here who um, have not responded to the message and to the good news of Jesus Christ, I would love more than anything to talk with you about that and help you and introduce you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do know Christ, today. Maybe you can identify a little bit with Jeremiah. And uh, at times you just, you feel defeated. But yet when he gets to his wits end, he comes with the words, when I think I'll remember him no more than in my heart, it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. And indeed I cannot. I want to let the world know of Jesus Christ. I want to let the world know of his grace and his love and his forgiveness. It's far greater than any gift you have ever been given in your life. And it's my desire that you know him. It's my desire that others come to know him. Not only they can experience the peace of what that means and the purpose in life. Dr. Cullinan talked about that in her testimony. 
Do you have that sense of purpose in life, knowing that you know the Father and that you're walking with him and living for him? Please come. We're gonna stand and we're gonna sing a hymn of invitation. And if the Lord has spoken to you in any way this morning and you desire that there's kneeling benches down front, if you simply desire to come and to pray or if you desire to talk with me, I'll be happy to pray with you. And we can talk more after this Sunday as well. Have you responded to that invitation to follow me? And have you responded to that invitation to come and see? Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your goodness and your grace. I thank you that, Lord, as a nine-year-old boy, having heard your story at school and from, from parents and from church, that I responded to the good news of Jesus Christ. It's been a journey ever since of ups and downs. A journey though that you have been present with me, where you have been present with me. And Father, my heart and prayer today is for our congregation that each one here today has made that decision to put their faith and trust in you, to ask you to forgive them of their sins and to begin to fill their lives with a sense of hope and a purpose. Lord, stir us as we sing. Move among us. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing number, hymn number 435, Share His Love, and invite you to stand and sing. If you desire church membership here at Boiling Springs, we'd be happy to uh, talk with you about that as well. Let's stand and sing together, hymn number 435. As we leave uh, this morning, I want to invite you to join us once again at five o'clock this afternoon. We'll be taking uh, some conversation further about our service this morning, uh, the testimony of Dr. Cullinan, 
being influenced by a friend or a coworker. And then we'll be looking at some scripture again as well and looking at the fact that as you and I, as Alan talked about, uh, whether you consider yourself normal or not, our sharing, the sharing of our faith can be a natural part of who we are. And we're going to be looking at that tonight in a very conversational type of study. And so I uh, would love for you to join us tonight at five o'clock in the fellowship hall, if you can, for that special time. Also on Wednesdays, beginning this coming Wednesday at 11 a.m. and 6.15, we're going to be beginning a new study. Uh, there'll be another one beginning on Wednesday evenings for our ladies. And I know Ellen has something to share in just a moment, but uh, we would love for you to join us this coming Wednesday as we begin a study of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's based on Eric Metaxas's best-selling book called Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy. I have two copies of this book up here. Now it's a thick book, don't be too intimidated. But uh, if you have interest in participating in our study and would like to uh, grab one of these books, I only have two, but uh, first come, first serve. So I uh, would love for you to be a part of this study. It's gonna be Wednesdays at 11 a.m. and also Wednesday evenings at 6.15. There's also a new study with Sandy Qualabong called Quest, I believe that's right, that begins this coming Wednesday. And in light of that, Ellen has something that she would like to say. In light of the Wednesday night programs that are becoming available, we have a growing problem, which is a great way to bring in the new year and the new month. I have 17 little ones who are coming every Wednesday night. I only need you for two or three nights. If you get a team partner and come and volunteer, I would love to have some help. We have fours and fives, we have threes, we have twos, and we have babies. So Heidi and Diane Rayburn have been serving as a team for the month of September. Men, you are not left out of this because I'd love to have some dads. It's a wonderful problem to have. We haven't had it in a while, but we are growing in the under fives. So if you'd like to give me an hour on Wednesday night from 6.15 to 7.15, I would love to have you. Thanks. Following that choral benediction, please speak to someone that you haven't spoken to before you leave. God bless. Mm -hmm.